every family vacation, my kids break into the can-can. Can we go to the theme park? Can we go to a ball game? Can we get snacks? It can get expensive. But at Red Roof, we get a great price on clean, comfortable rooms and wake up rested and ready to hit the road again. This summer, when we rest and repeat at Red Roof, staying two separate times can earn us a free night. Plus, Ready Reward members can save up to 20% with exclusive rates. Book at redroof.com. I mean, .com. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast continues to uh, gain recognition as a great resource for small business owners, aspiring entrepreneurs, sales professionals, business leaders, um, all sorts of folks anywhere in the business game. And that is really because of the guests. These are folks who have expertise in particular areas of business, and they give of their time and their knowledge uh, during a conversation with me so that all of you who are listening can get the information that you need so that you can do better things in your business. Today is no exception. My guest today is Julie Morgenstern. For over 30 years, Julie has been teaching people all around the world and at all stages of life how to overcome disorganization to achieve their goals. Her mission is to free each individual to make their unique contribution to the world by helping them design their own systems for managing time and space that feel natural and are easy to maintain. This inside-out approach to organizing everything gives readers, listeners, and clients the energy and knowledge they need to get and stay organized. Through practical, dynamic workshops and coaching sessions, Julie and her team help organizations around the globe identify what's holding their people back and get on the road to fulfilling their mission quickly. Past clients include American Express, Hearst, Harpo, Deloitte, Microsoft, FedEx, and many, many more. Julie is as crisp and engaging in her books as in person. She helps readers diagnose the causes of their disorganization, 
make mindset changes through insightful metaphors, and master simple technical skills they may be lacking. Julie's latest book, Time to Parent, presents a revolutionary framework that frees parents to savor time both with their kids and on their own from birth through college. Boy, wish I'd had that book when my kids were going through school. (laughs) Julie is the author of the New York Times bestselling Organizing from the Inside Out and Time Management from the Inside Out, both of which have been developed into popular specials for PBS. Her book, Never Check Email in the Morning, is used in corporate training and coaching programs worldwide. Thanks so much for joining me today, Joy. Oh, I'm so happy to be here with you, Diane. I am thrilled to have you here, and uh, this is one of my favorite topics um, and one that I don't think we uh, pay enough attention to on this uh-huh. podcast, so I'm thrilled uh, to be talking about it uh, with you. And I'd like to start, uh, if we can, with you sharing with the listeners some more surprising effects of poor time management on business. Um, I would say one has to do with um, your own lack of confidence. So when we are really feel like we are mismanaging our time, procrastinating, not getting to the most important things or getting caught up in too many details at the expense of like the big picture stuff, uh, or always late, going into meetings unprepared, uh, behind in our billing, whatever it is, it, 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 it gives a hit to our confidence where you're kind of beating yourself up and you feel like a loser, like all the bad talk that we give ourselves when our time is out of control. And that actually, I think, keeps us from like playing with confidence to show up. You can kind of re- retreat a little bit and not seize all the opportunities that are available to you because you feel you're just not feeling really good about yourself. And I think so much of small business and entrepreneurship or sales, you know, is really about confidently going out there and killing it. Yeah. And if and so I think that's one and there's one other. The other surprising one, I think, is that it inhibits our growth because when you're managing your time poorly, it's very hard to delegate. It's hard to build a team. It's hard to uh, get the support you need because, you know, if you're always kind of behind, you don't, you're, you're doing everything yourself and it's at the last minute and at the last minute, even though there's some details that someone else could have done, since it's the last minute, you're stuck doing it yourself. So those are the two, when you ask surprising, that I think, whoa, like every business owner is like, oh, yeah, I need to fix those because it really keeps you from uh, fulfilling your true potential of your business and yourself. Yeah, that's so interesting Mm -hmm. because – I can see how that ends up like it can put you into a um, like a downward cycle, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. hard to do something positive because you're feeling so um, inadequate or uh, like you know you're failing when it's really that you're just not finding a way to harness time more effectively. I guess. Yeah, and the truth is. 
when we are struggling with our time, very often we blame it on psychology, right? We think like, oh, I, I must have a fear of success or I don't really want to succeed or like that we do a whole psychological interpretation on ourselves. But the truth is, in my experience, this is 30 plus years now of time management coaching all over the world, people in every position and in every industry you can imagine. Most of the time, the issues around time management are technical. They are not psychological. It's the mechanics of the way you are approaching your to-do list, your workload, your days that is so fixable It's and so mechanically fixable. And then you're like, oh, that's, that's all it was. It had nothing to do with me not really wanting to succeed. It's just a skill. And we're not trained in that skill, right? Like where's the, where the, where, where is that life skills training when you're in school? It, it rarely to never exists. It's just a mechanical skill um, that we are not trained in by society. We're left to our own devices. And you can learn it. And you can master it at any age or stage of your life. You can hit reset tomorrow. That's the good news. That is good news. Yeah. That it gives me hope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so you have something you call the shed method. Would you um, share what that is, please, with the listeners? Yeah, so shed is my method for decluttering. And it's um, decluttering is a little different than organizing. That's number one. People need to recognize that there's some times in our life when we need to organize, get organized, and there are other times in our lives and our businesses, et cetera, that we need to shed or declutter. And decluttering is what we do when we are um, feeling weighed down and held back and we're kind of trying to move to the next level or make some kind of transition, but we're just feeling bogged down by something. And that's when you need to declutter. And decluttering or shedding is really about identifying what is obsolete in your life, in your space, in your schedule, in your habits. What are the obsolete things in your world that are no longer relevant and no longer helping you and releasing them to make room and space and energy to move forward. So it's, an, it's, it's a process for managing change and catalyzing change. Um, and SHED, the word SHED, which is like shedding the old, letting go of the old, it's an acronym for the steps of the, pro the actual process. And so S-H-E-D, so S is, um, once you identify what the clutter is, and we can talk about that if you want to, but whether, whatever form of clutter it is, you uh, separate the treasures, which is you never blindly get rid of anything without, there's usually 10, 20% that's really valuable in that pile or in that stack of to-dos. There's something that is of value. So you separate the treasures, that's the S, H is you heave the rest. It means you get rid of it. You don't 
You don't, uh, if it's stuff, you don't leave it in bags by the front door for eight months trying to figure out where it goes. you got to get it out. If it's schedule clutter or to-do clutter or you're getting yourself off a committee or you're letting go of a client that is just, you know, too much work and not enough payoff, whatever you're decluttering, you, you, you need to let it go and not be like, well, let's just, you know, I'm going to get off the committee, but I'm still available if you need me. No, like cut it out. You've got to like get it gone. That's the age. Heave the rest. E is embrace your identity from within. This is so big. So big. Because we attach ourselves to objects or to parts of our business, right? Like we've been do we did that for years and it worked for years and now it's like not really paying off but like if i let go of that who am i or what is this business without that client or that service or that uh activity and separating our identity from our stuff or our to-dos or our commitments and recognizing we are who we are regardless of what we own and regardless of what's on our to-do list. We are who we are. That's we're the ones who who acquired it. So, you can let go of it. You're still the person who acquired it. You're the person who said this is no longer relevant. You are still you. It's a very important part of the step that most decluttering um advice skips. They're just like get rid of stuff. You'll feel better. Like no, actually you're going to panic when that thing is gone. <laughs> You're not going to feel better for a minute. No. You're going to be like, whoa. <laughs> and and you need to be prepared for the wall of panic. That's what I call it. Everybody experiences it. Know it's coming. And then you counterbalance that by, uh, and I have practices in this book called Shed, uh, what you do in that moment of panic to sort of embrace your identity from within, get very grounded, don't rush to fill the empty space or the empty time so quickly. And once you do that, you are really in a powerful position. And then you drive yourself forward. And then you start to explore whatever that next chapter is that, that you were making space for. And you can experiment and explore with this new chapter without feeling like you have to like attach yourself to anything just to fill the void. So it's a it's a really beautiful, very nurturing, very practical, stable way of navigating change. Wow, I just love that. And and one of the things that stands out for me I is that it feels like you have to do it in that order. You have so, to do it in right? that order. Right? Yeah. You can't do D yep. if you still have all you, that clutter. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly right. And that's what we do. So what happens is <clears throat> nobody lets go into a vacuum. It's just not human nature. Nobody lets go of anything without reaching for something else. Hmm. And what we've, because, we, you know, humans hate, ambiguity like we hate it it's like whoa i don't know what i'm doing here so what we do is we are kind of unhappy where we are we feel a little stagnant we feel stuck we have this sort of feeling of some better future that we're trying to create for our businesses or our lives and then we just 
try to grab for it. But what happens is you can't reach for something else if your hands are full. You can't reach for the future if your hands are full with the present and the past. So you can't, there's no space for the future. Right. And that's, that's why you can't start with D. You, you're trying, but there's no room. You can't do it. You can't even think clearly. And when I've coached clients through this or readers who've read the book and written to us, they're like, it's a really pretty consistent experience that when you do it in this order, people always report like, oh, my God, like it's like the idea started to like bubble up to the surface and like a million and one ideas of what I could do. And it's like their creativity um, had room and space to ignite Whereas before they couldn't, they could come up with one idea, and if that wasn't good, I don't know what to do. Or if that doesn't work, ugh, there's nowhere to go from here. And you have so many ideas in you. You just need to make the space for them to bubble up. Wow, I so get this. this yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's really it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And and we really do. I think we stop and we think, okay, wait, I have to reset. I have to reframe. Yeah. Right, I, I have to go do something, and and then we wonder why that's not happening. Then we beat ourselves up so that we can't really yep. move our business forward. It's I, I totally see how this is all connected to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yep. And, yep. Good. Well, so so my question then becomes: What are the most common mistakes people make? when they're trying to stay organized. So let's say they've they've done this. Yeah. Right? But how do they self-sabotage? So I guess there's, you know, one common mistake is when what you need to do is get organized, you start decluttering or vice versa. You know, you, you, you need to get organized, but you start throwing things out. And that's not going to work either. So one, you got to know which one, like what do I need right now? So... I would say that the way I describe it and identify and diagnose, what does somebody need? Do they need to get organized or do they need to declutter? Because they're different processes that have different purposes and different steps. So organizing is what we do to make ourselves more efficient exactly where we are. And if you know what you want to accomplish, but you're having trouble accomplishing it because you don't have a system, you're not efficient, you can't find the document, you've got your CRM, but you can't, you know, your, your client relationship management or your, your database, but you can't, you want to do client reach outs. Here's a perfect one for entrepreneurs. I want to do client reach outs, but I never do it but I know that's what I want to do. I'm not ambiguous about that. I know that. So what you need is a system to make it easier. You need to organize a system so that you can achieve that very concrete goal that you're crystal clear about. You might need to create like a client, like a call list. You know, what are the top 100 people that I want to stay in touch with? And you get that all into one document and you, you know, roll calls and you say, okay, every morning for the first 30 minutes of every day, I'm going to do two or three client reach outs. That's my system. 
That's organizing a system to achieve a very concrete goal. So if you know what you if you know where you're going, but you don't know how to get there, then you need to get organized. Decluttering is when you don't know what you want, but where you are isn't it. <laughs> that's, that's when you need to declutter because you declutter to become clear on where to go. You let go of what's obsolete to create the space and the energy and the insight to figure out what's next. And my, you know, it like my last sort of metaphor for this is organizing is kind of about dropping anchor and setting up camp. Yep, I know what I'm trying to do. I just need a good system. And decluttering is lifting anchor and moving to a new destination. How's that for? Ah, that's great. Yeah. Wow, I like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. And we need different things at different times, right? Like right. in a life cycle. When you're a kid, you we move through cycles in life. When you go off to college, that's a decluttering moment, right? Yeah. Then you sort of get organized at college. Then when you graduate college and then you start setting up, uh, you know, a new life, you get yeah. – uh, I'm not jumping from college to marriage to kids, but you get the idea. Yeah. That's when you yeah. start acquiring, right? You get married, you have kids, you start acquiring. When you have an empty nest, you deacquire, you shed. You create, you know, right. so it's it's these cycles in our lives. Where are you right now? That helps. Yeah. You pick which yeah. one you need. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and I think it's really valuable for people to realize that, like, if they go through the shed process, that yeah. now they may have to go through it again down the you road. Definitely. Oh yeah. Every yeah. time there's a big shift, internal yeah. or external, like. You know, sometimes it's internally generated. Like I, you know, I I, I want to go someplace new. I want to do something new in my business. I started here. I want to take it to the next level. Blah blah blah. That's internally generated. Other times, stuff happens. Like the economy crashed in two thousand and eight, yeah. or the, the media landscape has changed. Right. So that is so different now that you you can't keep promoting yourself in the old rules. Because media has changed, and now, listen, podcasting, social media, in addition to yeah. traditional media, you have to ch- – so there are external things that are like, wow, I, gotta, I have to shed my old way, which is not working, to figure out where am I going to go from here. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. This is really fascinating. Okay. Now, you've got some – counter what what are considered um or I would consider counterintuitive keys to productivity and I'm wondering if you would share some of those as well. Sure. So I think when it comes to being productive that's what you know we're trying to get choose the right things and get things done every day. It inspires us, it motivates us, it gives us a great sense of satisfaction to get the right things done and to get them done. That's what we all want to do. Get get things done and make a contribution. So I think when you're in business, you're very reliant. First of all, you're wearing many hats. Um, And secondly, you feel like you've got to be always on all the time. And we're able to be on all the time, right? Like there's just digital, you know, you've got your emails 24-7 and IM and all the cloud stuff. And 
you feel when you're in a business, you have to be on all the time to chase the rabbits and catch them. Uh, and, you know, stay ahead of the competitors and you're, you're selling always on accessibility. And that's actually not completely true. If you, it's somewhat true, but not a wholly true. And you really need to balance between being accessible and responsive to your clients, to your customers, whoever it is that keeps you in business, but also doing the deep thinking and the heavy lifting and the strategic work and whatever fulfilling all of the requests that come in when you're being so responsive. So being always on all the time is actually not productive. It's counterproductive. It feels productive. It's not. Because you're, you, you never get the deep thinking work done. You burn yourself out. You're only operating from one part of your brain, which is the reactive fight or flight part, and you're not allowing the rest of your brain to get involved in problem solving if you're always on. So much science says that we can only access the deep recesses of sort of strategic thinking and creativity when we turn off, when you sleep, you're actually not not working. You're, you are working. It's not the way that's familiar to you, which is like, boom, I'm solving problems. It's, but it's happening. You know, the brain is synthesizing things on its own while you sleep. When you go to a museum, how often have you done something completely away from work and a solution came to you for a work problem while walking in a museum or walking along a river or playing yeah. Frisbee with your dog or taking a shower? Ah, You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, I know what we should do. And it's when right. you step away that you're able to solve some of the deeper problems. So you have to learn to put edges on your work day. You cannot work 15 hours a day. It doesn't work. This study showed that I think after 10 hours, our, let's see, what is it? Up to 50 hours. When we get to 50 hours of work at that point, our productivity plummets. And then I think when you get over 55, it's just ridiculous. You should stop working because you're getting like, 12 minutes on the hour of productivity. It's so low. Yeah, it's really bad. So I would say 50 hours a week is like your max, which is 10-hour day. And that's, you know, and I know I'm talking to business owners. They're, they're like, yeah. yeah, I could do that. I could do 12. Um, seven days a week, no, you have to put up edges. And don't and think of it as an investment in your business, not a distraction from or stealing anything. It will enrich your performance, your thinking, your efficiency. Um, and then break your email uh, and screen habits. Like you cannot be connected all the time. And it's highly addictive. You have to break the habit and then you're going to be off it for a little while. And then you're going to have to break it again and break it. It's like sugar. It's like I, I think of our screens. <laughs> it's like the corn syrup of our Very generation. Yep. So true. Yeah. So yeah, put up edges to your work day wow. and your work week. Don't work seven days a week. I think five is really all you should do. If you have to put in any weekend time, contain it to one block on the weekend. 
not all day, and then train yourself to spend time on other activities that have nothing to do with work, people, exercise, hobbies, um, and really immerse yourself in those because it will make you a better business owner, and it will improve your bottom line. So I I completely um, buy into that, and and I know – so I've had my own business for almost 15 years, mm-hmm. and is that right? Yeah. Um, and and when I for, for a number of years I thought, hey, I have from the minute I wake up till the minute I go to bed to get this work done. Mm-hmm. And what I found was I was less productive because I kept thinking I had time to do stuff. Exactly. Right. And when you pull it yep. back and you go, no, I'm going to yep. stop at this time, then mm-hmm. you, you I, I like this, um, you know, caging it in and saying this yeah. is the amount of time that I have to get that stuff done because not only do you then get more done, but it frees your brain up the rest of the time. You, you bet. You're absolutely right. Like work expands to fit the time allotted. Yeah. And it also contracts to fit the time available. Right, And if you yeah. think about before you go on vacation, that's when you get that pile of to-dos done, right? You're like, right. I am not coming back to this stack. Yeah. And you are relentless and um, ruthless. You're just like, okay, I'm getting it done. I'm getting it done. I'm getting, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing, and you just get it done because you have that hard deadline yeah. and you're able to say no and you, you stop procrastinating and you release your perfectionism and you get stuff done because you have that deadline and you're really motivated, right? Because you're not giving yourself all the time in the world. Like, nope, I got a hard edge here. I got a flight to catch and I'm going to get this done. And that's what putting edges up in your work day does as well. And you can even take it the next step. So let's say you contain your work day and let's give everybody 10 hours, even though I'd like you to take nine, you know, but that's fine. (laughs) Within your work day, you should also subdivide it into little packets of time, blocks of time. So business owners have to juggle their time between a variety of roles. They are not, they don't have one, you know, and everybody has like, three to five buckets of responsibility every even you know executives and companies do too but let's talk through the lens of a business owner you probably have to balance your time between like like some sort of service delivery or client service or customer service run you know maybe the finances or like the 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 administrative side of the business the financial side of the business, and maybe marketing. Let's pick those four. So client service, marketing, finance, and administration. Those are the four things you have to juggle to stay in business and create a healthy business. Organize your 10 hours into blocks that a lot regular contained amounts of time for each of those categories. Otherwise, any one of them is going to monopolize your time at the expense of the others. So you could devote one topic per day. That's one. You could say, okay, I do client service Monday and Friday, and then Tuesday is admin, and Wednesday is finance, and Thursday is marketing. You could do it horizontally, which is break your day into like thirds or you know every two hours. 
So you start out with marketing in the morning because you always avoid it otherwise, and then you get it out of the way, and then you have a big block of time for client service, and then, you know, uh, whatever, I can't remember, you know, finance on Fridays and administration at the end of every day. So it's called a time map. I call that a time map, and it's like a regular structure to your day or week that carves out guaranteed time for each of the big buckets of responsibility that you must tend to. And that creates subdivisions and little deadlines too. I have an hour for marketing. I'm break it down and I'm going to do an hour's worth of marketing and then tomorrow I get another hour. So I'll move on to it. But, you know, if I'm not done, I continue tomorrow. Time blocking. Interesting. Someone was just asking me today about time blocking and I, this morning and I said there are certain things I time block. You know, mm-hmm. certain certain things so then I don't have to think about them. I know they're, I know they're on the calendar and I'm going to do them. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, but I like this sort of structure around mm-hmm. the day. But do you find that um, do people struggle with then holding themselves to the decision they make about how they've blocked their time? Yes. Yes. I mean, that's, that's, yes, they do. And so there's a couple ways to, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It just means, yeah, yeah it's, it's not instant. And then you have to sort of work through some of the obstacles to sticking to a schedule that you set for yourself. So one of them is you have to make sure you keep it really simple, right? Like you can't, it can't be too complicated or overly detailed because it's too high maintenance to maintain, right? It's too too high labor to maintain, laborious. So it might be even something as simple as mornings are for creative, strategic internal work and afternoons are for all the external stuff. That simple, right? So it's just like your day is divided into two halves, proactive, reactive. That's a really good one. Morning is proactive, afternoon is reactive. And so for the first couple hours of the day, that's my proactive stuff that I know I need to do to drive the business forward, to be strategic, anything proactive. And then, you know, from 11 or 12 on, it's all reactive. Whoever calls, I'm on email, I'm bing, 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 bing. That's that's a very simple structure that people can imagine applying So that's one. And then the second technique that helps you stick to it is to always plan ahead specifically what you're going to do in any time you've blocked before you arrive at the block. If you say, I'm blocking off an hour or two for marketing, but you don't know specifically what you're going to do in that block of time until you arrive, and then you're like, okay, what marketing activity should I do for the next hour? That hour, 20 minutes of the hour is gone just sorting through your options. Then you're like, I don't know which one to do, and I only have 40 minutes left, so let me just check my email. Forget this. Mark. (laughs) So it's like you got to know before you go. And if if you plan it, if you separate the deciding what you're going to do, you separate deciding from doing. You decide one day, you do it the next. And you just, if you, and if you end every day by, by, I call it plan tomorrow plus two, at the end of every day, you, you see what you got done that day, you see what surprises came in that you have to add to your list or your schedule, you sort of clean up the day so everything's accounted for. And then you look at tomorrow, 
plus two days beyond that. I always say a three-day arc kind of helps you have enough information in case tomorrow doesn't go as planned. You have some context for making decisions on the fly. Always look two days past tomorrow. But you look at the next day and you say, okay, what am I doing in that marketing block tomorrow? I'm going to work on that blog. I'm going to research a new web, uh, you know, like, I don't know, Squarespace or I'm going to uh, read through this latest marketing report for my industry, and I'm going to choose three pieces of information to do something about, to come up with a plan on. So you make the decision by the end of the day before concretely what you're going to, it's what's your deliverable for that time block. And just by doing that, deciding it one day, the day before, and then you show up for that block, all you have to do is implement what you decided you were going to do. That will increase your chances of sticking to the block by about 80%, just that act. Because you have the full hour or two, and you know what, you've prepared for it. And it's a deliverable. It's like, so it's like, yeah, I want to do that. Right. You don't have to think of it. You don't have to decide and do it. It's sort of like deciding and doing at the same time is too hard for the brain to process. Like I got to think through. That's one part of the brain. Now I have to execute. I have to go to a different part of my brain. I can't do it. It's yep. it's too taxing. Yeah. It's so funny too because I, I have to take a sponsor break. But I used to do that. I would I would put on my calendar social media, and then that time would yeah. show up, and I'd spend the whole time going, okay, what does that even mean? Like, you know, exactly. what, what do I mean by social media? Because there's 8 million. Exactly. Then I switched it and I would go, okay, post to Facebook. Oh, okay. Exactly. Now I have to think about it. I always go post to Facebook. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I, I was laughing when you were uh, describing that. Yeah. Kind of stuff. Boy, that, I, I get it. <laughs> That's me. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break. All right, good. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are Two Brain Business 2.0 by Chris Cooper and several books by our guest, Julie Morgenstern. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Of course, my suggestion would be that you just go to Audible and put in Julie Morgenstern and see all of the uh, books that you can then read because they're all tremendously valuable. Uh, And as I mentioned, today we are speaking with Julie Morgenstern about how to organize our workday so we get the most out of Every day. Okay, Julie, this is one of my biggest questions because I think this is one of the biggest issues people have. Mm -hmm. And it is this What are your tips for maintaining a manageable email inbox? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes, email. So (laughs) the First thing is, we're kind of in, I don't know when this is going to air, but I'm assuming sometime within the next January, February. Uh-huh. But I guess people could listen anytime. And you know what? The, I was going to say it's like the spirit of fresh start is in the air. But the truth is when it comes to email, you can fresh start 
at any moment. You can just next day go, okay, we're doing cleanup. So first of all, there's a backlog on your, I mean, you know, you have all this stuff in your email box. And I think simplifying your system where you get things out of your email box, but don't try to get them into folders. You could just say processed. You have one folder which is processed or it's not even archived. It's just like you've opened, you've read, and you've moved something in there. Because you can always search by topic, sender. There's so many ways to search. So you don't necessarily have to have the point is a complex filing system for your email box, a very simple one. It's either it comes in the inbox and then it goes in like processed, and that keeps your inbox pretty light. Or you could have just a couple simple folders, but that's one. Two, I think you want to um, – everybody should embrace the idea of batch processing your email. So it gets back to kind of what I was saying, when we're always on and always working, always connected. And that's that screen addiction. Like we are just every three seconds checking our email boxes. Every time we're bored, every time we're intimidated by what we're about to do, every time there's a gap in a conversation, it's like grabs our attention. So you want to get out of the habit, and studies support this. If you are continuously processing email at any given moment, like all day long you're always checking, it first of all, it's not efficient, and it creates a lot of stress and anxiety and of uh, the sense of you're not getting anywhere. So it's better to batch process email and designate specific intervals in which you are going to go into your email, give it your undivided attention for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever the amount of time is. Give every single thing that's worth looking at. You open, you respond if you can respond quickly. If it's something that's going to take a bigger amount of time, like I need 30 minutes to work on this, you just acknowledge receipt to the person, I got your email, I'm going to get back to you tomorrow, I'm going to get back to you on Monday, or let's schedule a call instead of doing this via email because that will be more efficient. So you open, you respond, you fully process, and then you move on. And if you batch process email rather than continuously process, studies show that you will get through the same number of emails in less time. Wow. So you save time. Yeah, right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try that. Try it. And, you know, you have to sort of practice with what's the interval that is the right interval for your business to keep you responsive enough. Um, and uh, that's the external like pull. And what I say is think about like what is the biggest block, what is the block of time that you would give a VIP client or a VIP customer or a, I don't know if, if you uh, work at a company, your boss, would you give that person an hour or two completely undivided where you're not checking any email? Whatever amount of time you would give to a VIP, that's how long you can be off email, and that could be your intervals. So it's every two hours. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
right? Because if you'd give yeah. it to a VIP, why wouldn't you give it to your most right. important strategic planning task or your writing task or your marketing efforts or your yeah. – yeah. Because we never make them important, but, you know. No, you always think you can do that some other time or whatever. Right. <laughs> or like, yeah, but I don't know how to write the email, so or I don't know how to write, you know, do the reach out, so let me just check my email. It's a, yeah, yeah. It's, uh -huh. a, it's, exactly. it's a habit that makes us feel like we're getting something done or yeah. something more interesting or easier than what we're about to do. But yeah, right. You got to fight avoid, that habit. Right. It's, it it's is. A, yeah. It's a tactic. Yeah. 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 So talk to me some about the importance of um, making time to transition between home life and work life yeah. and, and, you know, why that's important and, like, some ideas on how people can actually do that. Sure. So, you know, in order to really be a balanced person, if you're a business owner, you probably love your business and, you know, you'd be happy working you know, 18 hours a day, but you do have a family or you have friends or you're not in shape, you know, and you're not, you really don't have that work-life balance that I was talking about earlier that actually makes you a smarter business owner, smarter worker. So, but in order to have that balance, we have to be very, very conscious about closing up work before entering our personal lives. Otherwise, we carry it right over and it's everything spills one into the other. So like if you don't put a hard edge and transition, you like get home and you're still thinking about work and then you actually don't get any benefit. You're not present for your personal life because you've brought work in. And by the way, the same thing can be true in the reverse. If you like don't really make a transition between your personal life and work, if you had like a stressful morning with your kids or whoever you live with or you got, you know, whatever, you carry that into your work day and then you're not really fully present for your work day. So to get the most out of whatever we're doing, we want to be present. Presence makes time slow down in a way that is so rewarding, right? When you're fully present, you need less time in whatever you're doing because you get so much more value out of the time when you're 100% in it. That's why you want to really make a conscious, be careful of the spillover effect and put edges up. And um, and it helps you get more out of each. It helps you be a more balanced person and just get more out of work and get more out of your personal life. So the way to do that is actually what I recommend is very concrete, which is to um, – Make a practice that before you cross any threshold, think about it this way, before you cross the threshold, any threshold, set your intention for the other side of that door. So if you are working all day, let's say even if you work from home, but let, let's start with you don't work from home, and then we'll talk about the work from home folks. Okay. So, if, you know, when you end your work day, you leave – you're going to end your day by planning tomorrow plus two, so you've wrapped your day in a bow. You leave. Use your commute, whether it's by foot or car or train or whatever. Use that as a transition time for a little bit of sort of self-care. Listen to a podcast or, you know, 
music or uh, look at the trees and the sky and the architecture of the town that you're driving through. Use that time to kind of intentionally recharge. And then before you walk through the door to your house, whether there's people on the other side of that door or not, if you live alone, that's fine. If you have pets, that's great. If you have a family on the other side, great. Set your intention before. When I go through that door, my intention is what? If there's people there, to show them how happy I am to see them. Hey, honey, I'm home. Hey, babies, here I am. I'm so excited to see you. It's the first thing you want to do on the other side. That is your intention. Or when I cross that door, my intention is to just use the evening to just fully decompress or enjoy myself. So you set that intention and then you cross the threshold and then you're fully present because you set your goal before you got there. It's like taking a deep breath uh-huh. and slowly and exhaling and deciding how you want to approach. So so it, it, I love this intention. I mean, I love the whole concept of intentionality and uh-huh. it, it, it feels like it, it brings you more to the present. It gets you out of your head and to yep. this very moment. So you are tremendously present in the moment. Right. Hmm. That's right. Yeah. And then it allows you to create something in the new space, right? Like what do I want to do? And it's a it's a reset. It's hmm. things don't just blur. Work blurs into home and home blurs into work and if you have kids and you put the kids to bed and then you go to spend time with your spouse, and then you're like blurring from like kid head to like partner head. And that doesn't work very well. You're just like, all you're doing is talking about the kids. You're like, honey, we have like 20 minutes before we're face down on our pillows. We really shouldn't be talking about the kids. Like, let's talk about each other. Let's yeah. enjoy, a, you know, episode of something. Like, let's be present. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's really it's a really small act that doesn't take a lot of time. It just takes consciousness to remember it and it it takes like it's it's two minutes. Right? Before I cross it's just say, What do I want to achieve on the what do I wanna achieve on the other side of that door? What's my intention? Yes, and it's it's a decision that you make. You have to be conscious of it and and yeah. know that that's something you want to do. And it feels like that's the sort of habit uh, that yeah. you really have to be conscious of at least the first, I don't know how many times you do it, because it's not natural. No, it's not the norm. Not. No, yeah. the norm is for us to be thinking about wherever we were or what yeah. else we need to do and not really in the moment. Our minds just there's a lot on our heads, right? Yeah. And you know, right. you need to do it if you, let's say you decide you're going to go to the gym. You should do that before you get to the gym. What is my intention uh, for this 20-minute workout? I'm going yeah. to feel my muscles, I'm going to, you know, feel my power, I'm going to I'm going yeah. to really get into uh my body for the next 20 minutes. That's all I'm going to do. Yeah. Because otherwise, you do a workout and you're not you don't you don't get full value out of it because your mind is elsewhere. That is for sure, right? I, I yeah yeah th- yeah. yeah. It's sort of it, it's so weird for me because I think it's it's a hard thing to do. I know 
um, at the time that I am most present, this is so bad, but the time that I am most present is when I am walking the dog. Yeah. I know I have to be, because I have to know if there's a squirrel there before the dog knows that there's a squirrel there. Mm-hmm. So I've realized that, like, I don't have, I have my phone on me in case something happens, but it's in my pocket. I am looking, you know, I'm just like in the moment, this is where I am because I know I have to be in that case. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And so you're walking the dog is your one form of meditation for you. Meditation is a, it's like the practice of yeah. being fully present. That's what meditation is. Right? That's all yeah. meditation is. It's the practice of presence. And you can do it sitting still and just focusing on your breath. There's a million kinds of direct, you know, meditation. But anything that keeps makes you fully present is a form of meditation. It's a practice of presence. So you can really look forward to those walks with your dog because they're not only good for your dog, they're good for your brain to practice presence. And then you can right. pull from that and say, I know what presence feels like. And then when you're doing something else, draw upon that and go, I need to be fully present in this. I know what presence looks like. It's Uh, like when I'm walking the dog. Let me pay attention to what I see, what I hear, what I smell, right? It's like a sensory sort of inventory will bring you into the presence. And there you are. Yeah. So it's it's a great practice. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just a chore. No, I know. Though, though I'm listening yeah. to what you're saying, and I'm thinking, yeah, I do need to do that, right? Because there's that, okay, I'm done walking the dog. Now uh, time to yeah, get, you yeah. know, totally caught up in a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. We're going to stop that. This is the Yes. Right. (laughs) And, you know, even if you do it, I think this is the other thing, Diane, for all of us, you know, everyone listening. Let's say you are able to just set your intention once a day. You cross eight thresholds a day, but for one or two of them, you set your intention for the other side. That's a win. Yeah. You don't have to do it for everything. You can aspire to. You can try to. If you ever get there, it's fantastic. But don't beat yourself. It's not like a, a zero-sum game. It's not all or nothing. It's it's either you're always present or you're never present. Anything you can add presence to, that moment, that five minutes or 20 minutes or 10 minutes that you spent is going to feel amazing to you. It's going to be the best part of your day. Yeah. So if you can grab 10, of the, 10 minutes uh-huh. like that a day or two or three little 10-minute segments where you're present, they'll be the best part of your day. You'll love it. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is so great. I really appreciate you um, spending this time with me, Julie, and sharing these ideas. They are so valuable. Mm, so uh, that, that Yeah, just so great for the listeners. And speaking of them, will you tell them – you know, how they can find you, what you've got going on, all that? Sure. So you can come to my website, juliemorgenstern.com, and that's probably the, you know, most comprehensive resource you can see. There's a book page, and you can read about my different books and see if there's any that appeal to you, and then click through to buy them from Amazon or or Barnes & Noble or something. Um, I'm on all the social media 
you know, I'm on Instagram. All just follow my name, Julie Morgenstern. Instagram on LinkedIn, uh, on Twitter and Facebook. Um, we do time management coaching um, as a company, which would be very relevant to small business owners. We also do. I do a lot of speaking. Um, so if you are part of an association that could use a speaker on time management or organizing or decluttering or managing change, uh, you can reach out to me through my website. And we do a lot of corporate training and workshops, which is you know usually for companies of uh, at least 50. So I'm not sure if it's for small business owners, but these other services uh, are yeah. very much for small business owners. And really valuable. I, I highly recommend that um, folks go to your website and, and you know reach out and see how they can uh, benefit from that coaching because this is such a critical topic, and I think it gets worse. You know, I think we get worse yeah. with uh, time management. Oddly enough, as we get more and more, um, I will call them tools, uh, mm-hmm. That are supposed to help us be productive. It feels like they oh yeah, you make, get you know, create more work. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. You have to be really careful with the time management tools, where they yeah. steal all your time. <laughs> yeah. How's this exactly. work? <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, thank you, and listeners, thank you. Uh, you are who we are doing this for, uh, and this was uh, another great. Um, episode full of some really incredible and actionable information for all of you. And I'd also like to thank our sponsor. To get a free trial of audible.com as well as a free audiobook, just go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth to sign up. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.